Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with author Tom Bull. Thanks for coming on the show, Tom. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. And, you know, on the last episode of the show, I had your mom, Laura, on uh, to talk all about the book that you guys co-authored and wrote together titled Unraveled. And so I wanted to have you on the show to really hear things from your perspective. So I'd like to start out here just hearing about how you found recovery. So what was going on before you got sober? What did life look like? And where does all this really start? Well, I think for me, it started uh, fairly young. Um, I, I wrote in the book a little bit about my first experience with um, medication. Um, I, I was having trouble falling asleep in, in before the first day of school. And, uh, my mom didn't know what to do. And she gave me, I think it was a Valium or something like that. And, um, that's when I, I felt amazing and everything, all my fears went away. And so I thought that a solution would be in a pill form. Um, so it kind of took off from there, but, but, if we fast forward, you know, my, my life before, uh, right before recovery, I mean, I was, I was teaching um, tennis and, and doing kind of office duties at a, at a tennis club uh, a couple days a week. And um, other than that, I was just kind of lazy and, and um, or, or partying, you know, and, and I just, I just had the job just to kind of show face and, um, kind of put out the message that, yeah, I'm working, you know, my life's together. And, um, it just got so bad. And, um, I was losing friends. I was losing relationships. Uh, I was, you know, using drugs and, um, on a daily basis, um, drinking all the time. And, you know, I, I had tried a lot of things to try and make myself feel better but um, it finally came down to me just being so beaten down um, and, and miserable. That I was like, I need help. Mm. And, um, and the only person that, that I thought I could go to was my mother. So I, I just said, I need help, help me out. I'll do anything. Okay, got it. Yeah, well, and I want to come back to that. So I want to ask you, you know, uh, I think most of the time when I hear people's story, uh, it's definitely the case in my own story. And I would say for most of the guests that I've had on the show, there's this, you know, either first moment or, or this moment that they can really pinpoint where 
they remember uh, substances really giving them some type of relief, just like right off the bat. And it sounds like that, uh, or the, the time that you remember, you recall anyway, is this time where your mom gave you Valium or something along those lines. Where did it progress from there? I, I know that your mom um, mentioned, you know, I asked her like, you know, about what she found out about you during the process of writing this book. And, and I'm going to ask you the same question here in a minute about her. But and, and she said that one of the things that she really didn't know a whole lot about was uh, some of the bullying that was going on in your life that um, that, you know, that she felt was maybe uh, contributing to some of the drug use and stuff. So you start with, you know, you remember it starting with the Valium that gave you the, the relief. Where does it kind of go from there and how does it progress the, the drug and alcohol use? So that, that, that went, um, dormant for a couple of years after that. Cause I was pretty young. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think where it picked up to, for me was, um, probably the summer between eighth and ninth grade. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I found marijuana and, uh, I was using that almost on a daily basis in the summertime. And it it just started to progress from there. I I started to not like that, um, because I got a little anxious and my anxiety would skyrocket when I would, when I would, when I would get, um, I would smoke. So, um, I kind of slowly veered into other things, uh, go to parties and kind of go through medicine cabinets and, uh, try new stuff out. And (laughs) I was just looking for some sort of solution to Mm -hmm. fix my mental problem, right? Whatever I thought it was. Right. Um, and then it just kind of progressed from there. I mean, I just started taking that stuff and, um, would feel better. And then I would need more and more and more and, uh, stronger stuff. And, um, I went from, you know, uh, Xanax, Valium, um, cocaine, um, painkillers, mm-hmm. painkillers is where I, that's where I found my, my niche there. That's, mm-hmm. that's when I started, um, I would find these little pills, uh, they were morphine sulfate. Um, and those are what I needed to have with me at all times. Mm. It was like my solution. Mm. Um, and so I just kind of <laughs> just started falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's always interesting to me and I'm sure you've had this experience uh, along with our, our listeners and the people watching this, you know, just the similarities in stories, you know, cause for me, it was kind of that time period between eighth and ninth grade smoking weed uh i i did i didn't get the the anxiety and all that from from the weed if anything and this is kind of what i wanted to ask you you know you said uh you found that that these different drugs that you started you know trying out basically and just trying anything kind of fixed whatever you felt the problem was i'm pretty sure i feel pretty confident that for me it was just kind of like a maybe, you know, a little lack of confidence, some just social anxiety stuff going on. What, what was it looking back? Like, what was it for you that you think was being solved by the, the substances? I think for me, it was, um, anxiety, depression, um, fears, Mm -hmm. um, 
I did it to, to fit in. Um, so it kind of wiped all of that away, the worry. Um, you know, I was a worry wart. So mm -hmm. even today, it's like the anxiety, anxiety is something that I struggle with big time because my anxiety is like, um, it affects me in such a physical way. Um, you know, I stop eating, I kind of tighten up and rec recluse, become a recluse. And mm -hmm. um, so it's an ongoing thing that, that I have to continue to work on, but I know how to work on that and stay sober now mm -hmm. and do it in a healthy way and yeah. have a good life. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, where, where does this have to lead? Like, what is the, the critical point for you um, that, that you just, you finally have to reach out to your mom and, and ask for help? What, what ends up happening? So <clears throat> I had just gone through a breakup um, and I went out on Halloween night um, and just let loose. I mean, I, I, I got in a couple um, bar fights, um, lost them all. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I just got rocked. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I had the liquid courage, mm -hmm. but I was, you know, so um, that happened. You know, I was out with some coworkers and they didn't know what was going on with me. Okay. And, um, and they took me back to their house at the end of the night and I ended up getting in a fight with one of my coworkers and throwing him over a balcony and landed on his head and I thought I had killed him. I was like, I, he was not moving. Uh, I was terrified. Um, you know, a thousand thoughts going through my head and, and I woke up the next, he ended up being just fine, thank God. And I woke up the next morning and I was just, I was done, you know, I felt like I was done. I, I just had almost given up. I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. You know, I'm so tired of living like this and um, I'll do anything I can to, to get better, whatever is recommended. Yeah, and um, prior, prior to this, this moment um, or this incident, I should say, were there any thoughts about getting sober? Was there any like research that was being done? Like I know your mom mentioned what we had in common is she said she had been kind of Googling, you know, rehabs and stuff like that. Was there any of that going on prior to this? Not for me. So I thought <clears throat> I didn't trust anyone. Like I didn't trust my therapist. Um, I just went there to just make it look like I was trying to work on something. Right. right. Uh, but there was never any relief mm -hmm. from that. And um, I, I would try to get sober and I would detox on the couch. My mom would, would help me detox on the couch outside and um i would last a couple of days maybe a week okay um and i would try and do maybe a little bit of this maybe a little bit of that and right. and so 
it was a lot of experimentation on my part and not a lot of uh, actual research <laughs> that could help me. Yeah, yeah. But you were you were trying different things. And so you were detoxing from the morphine or? Yeah, morphine, Xanax. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, detoxing from anything sucks, but you know, what I didn't know until later on is how dangerous detoxing from drugs like that can be, you know, I mean, Xanax, like, man, that's, that's something like you can die detoxing from Xanax, you know, you can have seizures and all this stuff. I think a lot of people maybe kind of, uh, I don't want to say dismiss it or play it off, but don't take it as seriously as they should. It's, it's extremely, um, extremely serious. So, uh, sounds like at some point you, you get detox. What is your mom, your mom being in recovery? Like what, what is, what is her response during all this? Is she just trying to kind of be there for you without enabling? Like what's, what's her response? Yeah, she, she was trying to be there for me, um, without enabling. I think she was, I think she was getting a lot of um, information from other, um, sober people that were, that were, that were helping her out. Okay. Um, because she was fairly, well, she had a couple years. Okay. okay. Um, and so, you know, my dad didn't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. He just was kind of there for me. And then they would try the tough love thing and, um, try a whole bunch of things. And it just, you know, I just wasn't having it, you know, yeah. now looking back on it now, I just feel so bad for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it must've been so rough. Well, and that's, man, that's part of the reason that I wanted to have you on separately is because I, I think about this a lot. Like my parents aren't in recovery. They're both more along the lines of what you were saying about your dad, like not really knowing what to do. Uh, but having been sober for a little while now, I've definitely given some deeper thought to like, and really tried to empathize, you know, with with what my parents were going through and, and what I put them through. And, and so that's why I kind of wanted to get, you know, these two different viewpoints there. So I think that's, you know, um, you know, that's interesting that you mentioned that because that's a lot of what I'm I'm thinking about as well. Do you end up going to treatment or what what ends up happening? How do you actually take that that final step, if you will, into recovery and into getting sober? Yeah, I, I ended up going to treatment. I, when I asked for help, my mom said, all right, here's a list of people that a list of places you can call get get calling. Okay. And so I picked a spot and they didn't have a bed for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So I had to continue using a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to. Yeah. Um, I, I even remember just like sipping a beer. And like not wanting to do that um, and just taking enough so I wasn't getting sick and wasn't going into full-blown panic attacks. And so I finally uh, flew to a place in Colorado and um, it was a 30-day a, a program. And once I landed there, it all, all the work began. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It, yeah. And yeah, I, that's such a tough thing. That's something that, um, you know, that I'm sure you've heard from other people. It's like the having to wait for a bed or having to get into 
uh, treatment and that can be a tough deal. And, and like I was talking about with the detox, like sometimes that's just, you know, you don't want to use anymore, but man, to just prevent, you know, anything worse happening, that's almost what you have to do is just like some controlled, you know, using or drinking just, just to where you can get to the point of, of detoxing. So tell me a little, a little bit about just some of the work that you were actually uh, doing in treatment. Was this like a 12 step based treatment or, or what was going on? Yes, it was a 12 step based program. Um, and so we would go to meetings every day. Um, I really got in, into a routine of, of meditation there. Um, therapy, you know, just a lot of learning for me um, because I didn't know what was going on with me when I got there. I knew, I knew something was wrong. Something was obviously wrong. I didn't know what it was. And my, my idea of an alcoholic or, or, or an addict was alcoholic, brown paper bag, under a freeway, that's where you live. Um, and addict was, you know, living in a, a trap house and, you know, um, 100 pounds underweight. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I didn't have the knowledge um, of the disease. And, and there is where I started to gain some of that knowledge. I didn't even know when I first went there that I couldn't drink again. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're like, yeah, man, like, you probably can't drink ever again if you want to have a good life. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. You know, so there was a lot of, of, of learning and growing up that happened. And, and when the 30 days was up, I was ready to go home. Mm. I thought I was good. And, and my parents came to a family week and they said, yeah, you're not, you're not coming home. You're going somewhere else for another 90 at least. Okay. And so where do you end up going? <laughs> So I end up going to um, Newport Beach. Um, you know, it's, it, they gave me an option. I could go anywhere I wanted. And who wouldn't want to go continue sobriety near the ocean? You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Coming from the yeah. Midwest. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I chose. And, and I went there for 90 days. Okay. And I learned a lot there and did a lot of work on myself. Um, and, and was this like a sober living situation kind of, or what, or what, how no, would you it was, this? it was more in, it was more inpatient. Okay. So okay. everybody lived on grounds. Mm -hmm. Um, you could go to outside meetings. Okay. Um, you could work your way up to being able to like ride a bike to meetings and stuff like that. Got it. Um, so it wasn't a hundred percent lockdown, right. but it was still like, you know, you're here 75% lockdown. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so you start doing that and, and it sounds like, you know, you start, even though you're, you're in treatment, you start having a little more freedom and in those first few months, what would you say was the biggest thing that you were really struggling with in, in sobriety? Self-identity. Hmm. Um, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know I had lost my passions. I had lost my true self. Um, and I had to find that again. Mm -hmm. And it's a tough spot to be, you know, I, I think that I think the majority of people get there once in their life. 
whether they're in they're they're in alcoholic or not. Um, it's just kind of a growing up phase. But um, that was probably the most difficult part. It was like, all right, now I got to find myself. Like, who is Tom? And and I had to learn to love myself and 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 kind of just go wherever you know wherever it took me yeah wow yeah that that's man that's such a good answer i I would say that was the biggest thing that i struggled with for sure you know i just had i had no idea who i was no one else around me knew who i was you know and and that can be a, a tough thing i think a lot of people probably uh, get lost in that. So, uh, now you leave there or, or I guess you stay in California, right? Um, the book that you wrote with your mom again is titled unraveled a mother and son story of addiction and redemption. Now your mom was saying that, that you came to her with this idea that this was something you were kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say pushing her, but she kind of made it sound like you kept coming back to her with this idea, where, where did that idea come from? And, and why did you want to do this? Yeah, I think something had happened. Some, some movie or some publication came out. Okay. Um, and it, I, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it's called a beautiful boy. Yeah. I don't know if that, was it or not? Okay. Um, it was. I think it was around that time because I think that was like three years ago, mm-hmm, or three and a half mm-hmm. years ago, four years ago, something like that. And that's Shia um, LaBeouf, right? Uh, is it? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen I, it. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. So I think that's about his story, if if I'm not mistaken. And, so uh, yeah. So yeah. I just, I just was like, we should just write a book, mm. and. Uh, about our about our story of addiction. I mean, it's a mother and, and a son. She got sober. I got sober, and um, maybe it could help some people. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, because I was all gung ho about helping other people, because you get into such pain, and and you just get so low and dark in this deal. I did, and I wouldn't wish that upon anyone and so when i see people and they're talking in a certain way and i i i know what they're going through i'm like i hear you like i've been there and it sucks but here's what i did to get out of it and and here's here are some solutions that worked for me Hmm. yeah so I, i was just i was all about it yeah yeah that's a great idea and yeah no i just looked it up i I was mistaken i was thinking about uh a a different different movie there um but uh but yeah similar idea so that that kind of pushed you to do that um that that's pretty cool man now why did you guys decide to write it the way that you did it's like your mom's perspective and then your perspective and what, why did you guys decide to do that like that? I mean, I think it's a pretty cool idea, but why, why did you go that route? You know, I don't think there's any particular reason. Um, I think when we 
met with a team because um, we had a team help us through this whole process. Okay. Um, it, it, it just kind of ended up going that way. Mm. And um, it looked good and it sounded, it, it sounded really good. And mm. so, and it made sense um, because I think it's easier for, well, I think we both thought that it's easier for the reader to read you know, okay, here's Lara. Okay, here's Tom. Mm -hmm. And this is their journey, chapter by chapter. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to, to have that format. I, I just thought it was a really, a really great idea. It, in your mind, who is this book for? I mean, it's coming from two pretty, pretty different perspectives, right? The your mom and then and then yourself being the son. In your mind, who is this book made for? I think it's made for um, anyone that, that is struggling with addiction or, or, or anything like that, hard times. You know, I'm not going to go out and say that my story is so bad. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was bad for me. There are stories that there are a lot more loss and a lot more um, continuous pain mm -hmm. than what I went through. So <clears throat> I wouldn't say that like, this is the book, you know, for, um, for everyone, you know, but it, I think that it, it could help families. So yeah. I, I think it's for, you know, anyone between the ages of, you know, 18 to 40, you know, and up parents too. parents yeah. of addicts. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think you guys really nail a lot of different, um, you know, different groups or, or that this could really work and be helpful to a lot of, uh, a lot of different people. I'll, I'll just tell you, Tom, that one of the things that I think is, uh, I'll just say important uh, about this book and about both of your stories, you and your mom, Laura, is that, yeah, I mean, we hear some crazy stories, right? Like that are, and I'm the same way, like my low could have gotten so much lower. And, and we hear that stuff a lot. And I, I think that what is important in this book uh, is that it shows that you really don't, and not to say that things didn't get bad for both of you, but that you don't have to lose everything you know, that it, that it doesn't have to get to the point where, you know, you're becoming the person that, that you were talking about, like you kind of think who an alcoholic is or who an addict is, you know, where you are homeless. And, um, and I, because I've had people on the show with those stories and, and we're, you know, I'm not knocking those people at all. Um, you know, I'll say, you know, but for the grace of God, like, you know, man, that, that could have been me 100%. Um, yeah. But I think it is important for people to hear like, hey, you really don't, it doesn't have to get to that point. Right. And I think a lot of, from what I've seen, a, a lot of the perception around, um, you know, addiction is like, people relate it to physical lows. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, how bad did it get for you physically? car accidents, uh, hospital visits, but it's not about that. 
you know, it's about the emotional, um, spiritual, you know, bankruptcy, those, those lows, um, you could, you could live in a $10 million house, drive a Ferrari to work every day and feel worse about yourself than somebody that lives in a one bedroom apartment that has four kids. Yeah. Very true. You know what I mean? Very true. So I think that, that changing the, 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 um, the perception of it, um, you know, from physical lows to emotional, spiritual, because that's what it's, that's what it's about right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said, well said. And I I would agree with that. You know, one of the things that, uh, that your mom, as we were chatting after the interview, she said, you know, I really regret not expressing how proud I am of Tom, even though I express that in the book, she said, you know, that was something that I really, um, you know, didn't get to get across in the interview. So I, I said, I'd be sure to, uh, not that you don't know that already, but I'd be sure to throw that out there, which leads me into asking really what it's been like having a mom that's in recovery too. I mean, obviously that was instrumental in you getting sober to begin with. It sounds like that she did a great job of, of guiding you and maybe putting some, you know, some other people that were in recovery in front of you to, to be helpful in all of these things. But what, what has that been like, like having someone so close to you that is in recovery? Well, I think it's been a godsend. Um, in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't know what it was all about. I, again, I look, I looked at it like I, we were just talking about, I looked at it like with, with the physical lows. So when she came out and said she was an alcoholic and got sober, I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so I, I was just, I just didn't have the knowledge. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, and I don't know where I would be today um, without her, um, you know, taking, taking those steps before me. Um, because she had an awareness that, uh, you know, if you're not in, in, the, in a, in a program or you're not sober, you don't, you don't have. So, um, along the years, it's been very beneficial because we talk to each other on a regular basis and, um, we share our experiences together. You know, we have a kind of a special, um, connection. Um, so it's been, it's been good. And I feel very, very, you know, lucky and grateful because not everybody gets to have that experience with, Mm -hmm. with a, with an alcoholic parent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I do want to ask one of the questions that I asked your mom, just, you know, in terms of writing this book, how do you think that your recovery has grown or changed due to actually just going through and writing this book with her? Uh, Well, my, my recovery is always evolving and, and changing. Um, I think that writing this book together has, you know, made me look back at, at my past and, and really um, have to dig deep and, and work on myself. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that 
came out in the book and a lot of stuff that I would talk about um, with her that, you know, there's still some work to be done. It never ends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's been an amazing process and um, I continue to, to learn and grow. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I'd like to hear a little bit more about what your recovery actually looks like today. I'm with you. I'd say my, you know, recovery is, is always evolving and, and it probably should be. Um, so what, what does that actually look like today for you? Well, I mean, today there's certain things that, that I do on a daily basis that, um, kind of keep me in the, in the here and now and keep me in the loop and connected with other, um, men that, that do the deal. Um, I have, uh, an amazing girlfriend, um, and she gets this deal. Mm-hmm. She understands it. Um, and she is very supportive and that helps. Um, you know, it, I'm not saying that I would be, I would be in a different spot. Um, uh, without her, you know what I mean? I'd be completely fine, but it's nice to be able to have that. Um, and and I just, I try and stay connected and help people that are struggling with, with addiction, um, too. And it's, it's hard right now. Everything's shut down. I'm in California. Everything's shut down. There's no, um, get togethers with, with other sober people right now. Um, everything's over, over the phone or, or computer and, so it, it's been difficult. So my, my program has changed definitely over the past nine months. Yeah. Um, but it's still there and it's just evolved into something different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm with you, man. And I think that's, you know, that's the same for, for a lot of people right now. And uh, I, I think it's, you know, there's good and bad, like with everything. And, um, I think, you know, if, if anything, the thing that I've learned is, is that no matter what I can still continue to stay connected and, and still attend, you know, meetings and still do all these things that, that for me, I, I know help, uh, help me grow in, in my recovery as well. I do want to ask before we wrap up, Tom, if there's maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation, whether it's for someone that's, uh, you know, new to this deal or someone that's been around a while and struggling, someone that's, you know, struggling with relapse. Yeah, I would say something that that, that comes to mind is um, ask for help. I mean, it's simple as that. It's something that, that is extremely hard to do Um, it was for me, but I find that when I ask for help, I get help. And, and there are a lot of people that have been through the same experiences that I'm going through that can help me and and kind of guide me, show me how they did it. Um, so I would say, you know, ask for help. And if you feel like, um, you're at the lowest point of your life, um, it can get worse. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it sure can. There's always those yet's right. Hadn't happened yet. 
And uh, yeah, so that, that's really great advice, Tom. And be sure to grab your copy of Unraveled at unraveledthebook.com. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. Com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.